Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 24 of Aussie Talks. In today's episode, we're going to be reviewing uh, an absolute incredible test match from England and Australia, the Ashes, the first test. It's the one that sets the intent for the whole series, and if we have another one, uh, if we have many more like this for the rest of the series, I think a lot of cricket fans are going to be happy uh, to have it go down to the last few overs, to have it go down to the final day, 7 p.m., uh, with all three results still on the table was absolutely incredible. You know, a lot of people in the eastern states would have liked the game to finish a lot earlier, considering we were all up to 4.30 a.m. Uh, watching it, and uh, it was all worth it in the end, despite the fact that a lot of us are still tired from those. Uh, decisions. But let's hop into this first segment. I'm just going to be speaking about the storylines and a couple of players from what was arguably Australia's greatest ever test win. A victory celebrated by a nation. That is some audio right there. I've got a feeling that is going to be very iconic in Australian cricket folklore for a very long time with Pat Cummins hitting the winning runs. Uh, off Ollie Robinson as well uh, is just that extra cherry on top. Also with Harry Brook not being able to, to save it as well. So I couldn't have scripted it much better there. But these are the test matches that Australia have not won. We historically have not won a te- many test matches where all three results are on the table coming down uh, to the last few overs uh, of a test match or the last uh, last day or whatever it may be. You know, some ones that spring to mind, of course, is 2019 when Stokes did his brilliance. Uh, the Gabba 2021 when India shocked the world uh, with their their third or with their C team, as, as has been said. Uh, 2005 is well documented. Uh, and even before that, you know, or even... 2015, Trent Bridge, 14 runs we lost by to England uh, and when we lost that Ashes series. And going back to the 90s, you know, with the West Indian series where we lost by one run and, and all that sort of stuff. So we historically have not won many of these test matches. And, you know, the people that stayed up to, to watch it and even those who, who watched the highlights or, or got up early the next morning and watched the last few overs, this is something that you're going to remember. This is why we watch sport. And, and this is why I think England Ashes series hold a bit more uh, – meaning with them being in England it's that you know not watching it during the day it's watching it at night it's staying up it's that pride for your team it's the adrenaline you get and for Australia to win at what was what 4.30am on Thursday or sorry on Wednesday morning uh, is just something that everyone who watched it they'll remember where they were when this happened and hopefully sets the intent for uh, what's going to be an incredible Ashes series if the first test is like this imagine what the next four could be so I'm just going to look at a few storylines for what was a test match that England were ahead of for over four and a half days. The only time Australia were really ahead was the 20-minute passage uh, where they got Crawley and Duckett out after the rain delay on day three and then maybe when the runs to get were in single digits. You know, Uh, England, they've just found a way to lose this test. Australia had no right to win it, plain and simple. Uh, England, you could argue, were probably the better team. Uh, But I don't know whether it was just heart strategy, luck, guts, probably a combination of all of them. Uh, 
but for what Australia did to get this win and Captain Pat's performance uh, with the bat, along with Nathan Lyon uh, in that clutch moments, is something that was not expected and something that uh, was incredible. But I want to look at a few storylines uh, that have come out of this test. So I don't know who on the England cricket board decided to pick Moen Ali uh, when he hasn't played test match uh, test match for over two years because he's retired. He also has retired more times than Tom Brady. So take his retirement speeches with a handful of salt. Uh, but he bowled 35 overs in the first innings of utter pus and got rid of all the skin on his spinning finger because he's been playing IPL. You know, it's one thing to bowl four overs in T20. It's another bowl 35 and be out in the field for over 100 overs. So surely there's a better spinner. He bowled maybe a dozen good balls for the whole match. One of them was a beauty to Travis Head in the second innings. Fair play. But in that over, he bowled two full tosses already. So, you know, uh, the bloke... He's past his prime. He can't bat against Australia. He never has been able to. He's never bowled good against Australia. You know, his average is above 60 against Australia, and it's above 30 in in normal test matches. So I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, Joe Root, who was a part-time offie, it was a better spinner than Mo and Ali. You know, that, that sort of shows where England uh, are at from a spinning bowl perspective. And touching on, on Root, you know, he... Created chances for Carey. Took an absolute beauty on his third attempt uh, when Carey whacked it straight back to him. But one thing that I don't think is talked about enough uh, in the media is that Root Root bowled one too many overs. They could have taken the new ball. They kept Joe Root on. Pat Cummins went six, six, uh, and two. He got, uh, what, 14 off the over. And it sort of changed the momentum of the game. It gave gave Australia a small sniff. You know, I think going into the over, we needed 53 to win still. It got it down to under 40, you know, and and having that just gave us, okay, we can actually win this. We haven't gone into our shell to try and play for a draw or anything. So if Root hadn't bowled that extra over, I think England potentially win uh, just from the fact that 14 runs or whatever it was off that over was so huge in this type of a game. So Stokes' captaincy um, is another storyline. It got talked about. Apparently, it was the best ever. The best ever captaincy. No one else in the history of cricket has thought about bowling short stuff to the tail enders in the first innings and getting them all out. You know, no one's thought about it. It's the England captaincy. It's the umbrella field. He's the best of all time. Now, I am not saying that Ben Stokes is not a great captain. What he's done for England cricket over the last 18 months has brought them back from the depths of despair. You know, their last Ashes series was a disgrace, you know. They say, Stuart Broad said the series was voided. They should have just voided it and not shown up because that was an utter disgrace. I've never seen a worse England team in my life. So what he's been able to do from a strategical point of view and also from his performances has been huge from English cricket, and I accept that. And I like Ben Stokes as a player. He's a big-time player. He rocks up in big moments. He does incredible things, you know, but... He made a few mistakes with his strategy. I'm sorry. Declaring on day one, when you're 398, it's not like you had Ollie Robinson and James Anderson in. You had Joe Root, who was 118 not out. You know, how much would an extra 30 or 40 runs out have counted? And everyone says, oh, but the result, you know, down the end of the game, Australia wouldn't have, you know, had the chance to win and, you know, England wouldn't have been as aggressive. No, 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 no. You play a test match to win. You don't play a test match for drama. You know, he you do not declare in that situation if you've still got an in batsman, you know? If it had have been 
that, okay, they were seven down, Joe Root went out, and you had Stuart Broad and Ollie Robinson bowling, and you had a chance to get five overs into the Australian Opens, it's a great decision. But with Joe Root still in, I still don't understand it, and it's a decision that, in the end, did contribute to England's, England's loss. Another thing for Ben Stokes, his field decisions when Australia needed less than 20 to win bewildered me. You know, we needed, I think it was actually seven to win, and he had five blokes on the fence. You have a few people on the fence. First of all, if they need seven to win, you take them three metres, or maybe not three metres, you take them eight to ten metres off the fence to go, you know what, you want to be a hero? You can hit it over mid-wicket for six. You can hit it over mid-on for six. And if they hit it for six, you know, you can live with that. But his decisions with the field, if you want to go back and watch it, just didn't make sense. Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon just batted smart and didn't take risks, you know. It was smart cricket. It was, you know... Tilt the bat. It was step across, get ones and twos. You know, sure, there were boundaries and and a couple of sixes in the run chase, but it was just smart batting because Ben Stokes gave up way too many runs on singles and twos is what Pat Cummins did with his strategy in the first and second innings, especially early on when we had fielders on the fence and deep point and and, and a deep mid-wicket in the first over. You know, that'll be swept under the carpet, that terrible strategy and un-Australian type strategy because we won. That's That's the beauty of sport. When you win everything's going well when you're losing everything's going badly but the fact is that Stokes captaincy in the end his decision to to declare and his field choices also his bowling choices did contribute to the loss I am not saying that his decisions throughout the game contributed to the loss but a few decisions he made towards the latter stages did contribute to the loss so in terms of his bowling decisions now his body's cooked, but I thought Ben Stokes was the best bowler on day five. He bowled a, a seven-over spell. He went one for nine, bowled an absolute beauty of a slow ball that Usman Kawaja to get him out and really shift momentum back to England. And if he had have kept himself on, I think he may have ended the test match. He's that kind of guy. I know he dropped what would have been an unbelievable catch that would have probably iced the game. We still needed 37 to win. I'm not saying that Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood couldn't have done something even more incredible, but it would have made it so difficult. And he takes that catch, England, uh, England win, and, you know... He may have uh, dropped the ashes, but that'd be incredibly harsh. It's only the second time he hasn't done something unbelievable in a a big moment. You know, there's so many times he's done it. The only times he hasn't was this drop catch in the 2016 uh, T20 final. So... He is an unbelievable player. He steps up in the biggest moments. It's a shame his body is not good enough to be able to bowl spells uh, because his bowling is incredibly underrated. Uh, A thing that also hasn't really been talked about was England's no ball count. 23 no balls. Stuart Broad bowled like 15 or 16 of them. That's the game. And the great cricketer said it a couple of weeks ago in the World Test Championship when Pat Cummins got two wickets off no balls. It's for all you quicks in the nets when, you know, you've got, you're in your clubs or you're in your, your subbies or you're in your nets training and you think, you, you think you're funny and smart to be, to be bowling, you know, four metres or not quite four metres, sorry, a metre and a half in front of the line comes back to bite you. You know, I can guarantee you in the pre the pre uh, Ashes nets that Chilbrook would have been having, he would have been bowling no balls. And what happens? It's another contributing factor in their loss. Plain and simple. Ahead for four and a half days, it's that small stuff there that can turn a match and change a match, and it did in that fact. Another thing on England, I know I'm speaking about a lot on England at the moment, but the fact is they were just on top for so long, and 
listening to it on Channel 9 or Gem as it was, which makes no sense. I don't know why it's not on the main Channel 9. The English commentators. I am very tempted for the next test to put my TV on mute and put on Triple M or SEN or ABC or 3AW or anything that's commentating the cricket because if I have to listen to one more word of Kevin Peterson's pus, I might throw my TV out the window. He... Is an inc- he was an incredible player, but there's a reason why he was in the locker room with some guys for like 10 years and they all hate him. You know, he is so up himself about England and basball, basball. Joe Root in the second innings. Uh, I'm not, you know what? I'm not even going to explain it. I'll play the audio right now. Ricky Ponting with an unbelievable Australian type comeback uh, to Kevin Peterson's just pus coming out of his mouth. Brilliant this morning was uh, Joe Root and how he just owned the game. He ran the game, he was pure quality, and he just owned that space. And just had all, all of this lot, we're just scratching the heads, going, what do we do? Well, sort well, of. Well, he's out now, he got 40. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's move on. That's just a, a great Aussie comeback from an Aussie legend of punter, and he is a, one that is probably keeping me on uh, not muting the TV because his analysis of the game from both sides uh, is really good. But Kevin Peterson, man, basball, basball, basball. Oh, it's a reverse scoop shot. Holy crap. We still lost, but he did a reverse scoop shot. You know, I, I just don't understand it, but that's another story. But... I'd say the number one story outside of the result that has come out of this is Ollie Robinson. Now, the bloke who bowled off-spin deliveries last time round in Australia because his body was that cooked, which is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen on a cricket field. He bowls 115-kilometre pus. Pus. You know, and if you bowl enough pus at some point, you're going to get a wicket. Cricket's like that. So he's bowling 115 clicks, you know, and he gets... Usman Khawadri out. Good ball. Good ball. You know, pumped up, changed the momentum. Only problem, Uzi Khawadri made 141. You don't sledge him like he did. And if you do, you sledge him not with the words he used. You know, Ollie Robinson is one of the only blokes in the history of cricket to be suspended for racist and misogynistic tweets. So that's all you've got to say on what a kind of an individual he is. And I'm sure he'd be great to have a beer with. I'm just kidding. The bloke's an absolute spud. And, you know, I'll play some audio right here from Billy Brownless, who gives his thoughts of Ollie Robinson. And if I use this language, I thought I'd be maybe in a little bit of trouble. Billy Robinson, give me a spell. (laughs) That bowls 128k throwdowns, Jim. Then he struts around like he's a great DK Lily. On top of that, he has the nerve to say, we've got three number 11s. This coming from a f- who averages 12, Jim! 12! So, yeah, that audio there is uh, what happened on the rush hour on Triple M uh, yesterday afternoon. So, clearly a very passionate Billy Brownless right there. And, yeah, he even had a crack at Johnny Bairstow as well for being a bit... Uh, bit chubby so and that's rich coming from billy brownless as well so clearly uh ollie robinson has not got many australian mates and he probably doesn't have many english ones uh being a racist in what he has said in the past uh you know i'm not someone who uh is going to use past behavior as indication of of uh future behavior uh whatsoever but 
the blokes is just a spud of a bloke, plain and simple. And uh, yeah, overtaking Stuart Broad. At least Stuart Broad has got uh, some runs on the board, if you will, using that saying. He's got over you know 500 Test wickets. He's got something to his name. Uh, Ollie Robinson's got nothing to his name. He bowls 115 kilometre uh, meds, pretty much. And uh, Harry Brook nearly bowls faster than him. You know, and Harry Brook was bowling, you know, a few overs here and there. He was going to be the difference to get uh, the Australian batsmen out, and that didn't happen either. But now I want to switch over to Australia, you know, and anyone who stayed up to 4.30 a.m., enjoy this. Take it in, you know, because we do not win test matches like this. So I'm going to go through each Australian player. David Warner, terrible shot in the first innings, got out, made a handy 36 in the second innings. Uzi, 141, spoke about him before. Incredible knock. Second innings, I'll be critical of this uh, 65. It's handy. It worked. But to only add 30 runs in two and a half hours of play on day five, it was very slow. It was very negative. Didn't cost us in the end, but I just thought his mindset end. Uh, look, England fielded well. He probably stopped a few fours, but it was very negative. His running between the wickets was slow as well. It just he didn't seem like he wanted to score and get it done as quickly. Like he said, he, oh, you know, he feel like he wanted to take it as, as long, as long as possible. And it was sort of a negative way of thinking. So it'd be interesting to see how he plays that if we are in this situation again. Uh, Marnus, yeah, n- not a great test. And uh, as Nick Pellucci, if he's tuning into this podcast, he's very happy that uh, Marnus only got 13. Uh, and I won't quote what he said on that one. Uh, Steve Smith, uh, only 22 runs for the game. So Marnus and Smith combined for about 30-odd runs, and you still lost England. You know, that's just hilarious. Uh, Travis Head, handy 50 uh, in the first innings. 16 in the second innings, like I said, copped a good one from uh, Mo and Ali, which, you know, is a rare thing to get. Cameron Green, handy 38 in the first innings. 28 in the second innings, a soft dismissal. Uh, chopping on, uh, current, I think it was Ollie Robinson. You know, he, the spud actually got a wicket just because he's that damn slow. Um, he also got a wicket as well. I think Cameron Green got underutilized in both innings, uh, but that being said, the pitch was just an utter disgrace, and we'll see what they do with the, the pitches for the next four. Hopefully, they've got a bit of life in them because it was like playing on a road, uh, and that's not what you want to see, even when you've got the England bowlers complaining about it. You know, that's not what you want to see, and it's one way to allow baseball to occur, occur is make sure it does nothing off the wicket, uh, but we'll see what happens at Lords. Traditionally, there's a bit more grass on the wicket at Lords and a bit more bounce, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Carey had one of the best wicket-keeping uh, performances of a, of a keeper full stop. He had nine dismissals. I think it was three stumpings and six catches or something like that. Had a great uh, and handy 66 in the first innings that uh, he stayed with Uzi and was allowed Australia to, to get close to that score of uh, England, which should have been much higher, as I touched on before, before they uh, declared. Uh, he got 20 in the second innings. He went down fighting, though. So when he got out, I got a few messages from some of my mates saying, oh, he's done that two times already. What's he thinking? From my point of view, I, I, I don't mind him going out that way when you've still got 70 to win and you're trying to go for it. You know, it's not like he tried some reverse switch it. That was that ball was there to hit. He went, you know, tried to hit it straight back over his head. You know, uh, just didn't quite wait enough on it. He got to the pitch of it too quickly, and it was a great catch. I'd rather him go at that like that than a chopped on dismissal like like uh, Cameron Green. So he tried to win us the game, Kerry. Tried to keep us in it. Uh, in the end, didn't cost us. So I actually prefer getting out like that than as opposed to chopping on. Uh, Cummins, well. 
what more can I actually say? I'm running out of words to explain this performance from the captain. 44 not out in the second innings. Uh, I think I saw a stat that it's the largest ever total from a number nine uh, in chasing history or something in a, in a successful uh, chase ever or something like that. So what he did, and it was simple batting. It wasn't crazy batting. It wasn't switch hits. It wasn't luck. You know, it was smart batting. It was taking the ones and twos. It was working the ball around, you know, and it was just he looked like he was having fun doing it. He was relaxed. It was one of the better innings you will ever see. You know, that 44, we could have chased down an extra 20 runs with those two. They were just going so well, um, both Lyon and Cummins. You know, Cummins, four wickets in the second innings, did incredibly well. I thought his tactics is still flawed um, with Basball putting everyone on the fence in, like, the first over. Uh, but like I said, when you're winning, that stuff gets swept under the carpet. Uh, Nathan Lyon. Now, sorry, before I touch on Lyon, Bowl and Hazelwood, these are the three number 11s, according to Ollie Robinson. That's like, oh, we get Cummins out, the three number 11s. Now, Nathan Lyon. 16 not out. Huge. The most important 16 he'll ever make in his life. That shot that he played to hit Stuart Broad for four was an absolute beauty. You know, he hit it over mid on, one bounce four. You know, I think it got it down to seven runs to win or something like that. And at that point, I think everyone in Australia is like, believe. Like, we always thought when we were chasing that it, we, it, it was too much to chase down. But after that, it's like, far out. We can do this. So what he was able to do uh, as Gazball was absolutely sensational. Uh, Scotty Boland, 20 as a night watchman. That is absolutely huge. You know, if he goes out on day four there and you they either have to send in another night watchman or Travis Head comes out, that's changed the game. You know, he got through that night and then came out the next day and scored a few runs. It's huge. It's the most important 20 he'll make, and it's a huge night watchman innings. He did his job. Uh, got whacked around a bit. You know, over six uh, economy rate in the first innings. He may be one that uh, unfortunately could get dropped for Stark uh, at Lords if they go with any changes. Uh, and Hazelwood bowled pretty well. Uh, I thought he was underutilized in the second innings. Uh, yeah, so, and obviously, obviously, obviously uh, didn't get a chance to bat in that second innings as he wasn't required. But that's the breakdown of the Australian team. It was a just a very incredible win. Like I'm running out of words to use because you look at the two scorecards and you've got a bit more of a balance in Australia than you do for England. Of course, Root did what he did um, and a few guys got some starts here and there and even in the second innings, there was a lot of starts you know, but it took someone to step up and that was Pat Cummins. He stepped up and said, nah, stuff this. I'm the captain. I'm going to come out with a captain's knock you know, as a bowler and what he did has won over the Australian public is also uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that probably don't like him because of maybe some things he said about you know as the climate change or whatever like this and all that but regardless of that he has won over the Australian public with this innings obviously he's been through a lot over the last 12 months it's an incredible moment for him and hopefully uh, sets what out well basically gets us off to a great start for what should be an incredible Ashes series and one that could break a drought of 22 years but we shall see well 
that is all for episode 24 of Aussie Talks. Uh, all my thoughts were covered in there. I covered a few topics from the Instagram poll uh, that a few of people put out about uh, the wicket-keeping situation. Should it be folks? Should it be Bearstow? Of course, I reckon it should be folks. Should Bearstow can't catch a cold. Um, and also the fact that Australia won with Warner, Marnus and Smith getting, you know, 60 runs between them. So a lot of positives to take out for Australia. A lot of learning experiences for England don't declare on day one. I don't know if a team has ever declared on day one uh, and lost. That is just setting new records and it's just the typical England way. So thank you all for tuning in. The second test kicks off in, I believe, eight days or something like that. It'll be interesting to see what they do with selection. But a 1-0 series win or 1-0 start for Australia in what should be a thrilling Ashes contest. And, yeah, we'll see what happens come eight days' time. But thank you very much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time on Aussie Talks.